Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Ooh. This is Pastor Ron's new thing. I don't Scary I don't know podcast. why he's doing it. Every time I see him, he's just ooing <laughs> like ghosts. He's dressing in ghost costumes whoa, too. Whoa. That's yeah. a, a secret surprise. Yeah. Boo. It's a scary day. Hey, what did so Is this a is this a dad joke? This is a dad joke. Okay. What did the janitor yell when he came out of the janitor closet? Uh, I don't know. Supplies. Oh, supplies. <laughs> when you said scaring people, I thought about that. Terrifying. Surprise, but supplies. I get that. Yep. Thank you for explaining it though. Yep. That did help yep. me really click it into gear. Yeah. Prior to that, I was a bit foggy in the connection. Now now I get it though. And what do you call a fish that wears a bow tie? Um, I don't know. Sophisticated. Sophisticated. I think I might have heard that yeah. recently. Yeah, at the men's men's yeah, breakfast. Your son. Yeah, men's Man, Bible Cracking thing. the jokes. Yeah. Hey, we got a couple of birthdays today. Yeah, we do. Uh, Wesley Truesdale is uh is turning another year older today. Happy birthday, Wes. Happy May the birthday. Lord bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. We're glad that you're here with us at our church and yes, your family. Are. Thank you. Um, plugged in, getting connected. You're in community group with uh with us and uh yeah, just awesome. Yes. So good. Grateful for that. And Erica Peterson. Happy birthday, Erica. Happy birthday, Erica. Probably one of the funniest girls I know. Really? Yeah. She, she was, she had me rolling, man. Yeah. We had a, we had her and her husband over. Awesome. Uh, she was cracking jokes and it was, I, I was laughing. That's great. Yeah. That's great. We're grateful for her and her Indeed. husband, Ryan, yes. and uh, just a, an awesome addition to our, our church family as well. Thanks, fam. So yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So what do we do with Halloween, bro? Come what, on. We haven't talked about this. What do we do with Halloween? Yeah. Uh, should we dress up? trick-or-treat and do things should we go to the the community events what do we do yeah i think uh moeller addresses on a recent edition of the briefing and uh he talks about it every year yeah i mean i don't want to punt to him but (laughs) (laughs) but it might he's pretty good um (laughs) he did an okay job i I think he did a helpful uh he had a helpful treatment of it where he basically said look there's a, a line that we as christians need to be aware of crossing when we are glorifying the gore and the the evil and the wicked and the occult and the uh the over sexualization of the holiday as well yeah that's weird yeah we need to draw the line there and make sure that we are not participating with those things or even having those things being named among us, as Paul would say in Ephesians, we need to, to be careful that we are light and not darkness and walking right. as children in light and not right. darkness. If your kid dresses up as a baseball player or a princess and goes and, and knocks on a door and says trick or treat and holds up a bag of, of uh, I used to take pillowcases because I was, oh man, yeah, you plan on giving a large haul. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, for that's sure. Do it. But anyways, if they do that, is that sinful? No, that's, that, that's not sinful. And I think for us, we made a conscious decision as pastors not to plan an event on Halloween night uh, because we want our people in our neighborhoods, in our communities. I, right. I mean, think about your neighborhood right now. This is probably the one night of the year where more people are going to be out and about in your neighborhood than at any other time throughout the entire year. Deliberately knocking at your door. Deliberately, right. So you have an opportunity to engage with people in your neighborhood. Uh, we've, we talked about it when we planted this church. That, yeah. that your neighborhood is your mission field. Yep. It's your mission field, not That's my right. mission field, your mission field. That's where God put you and your family. So um, buy the candy and pass it out. And if you've got young kids, it, you don't need to feel guilty about going around and, and having them knock on doors. Scripture says, don't sin against your conscience. So if you have a particular conviction that you don't want to participate in this, 
Okay, I, I understand that. I'm not going to encourage you to, to sin against your, your conscience, but I'm, I'm telling you from a pastoral perspective, is there a clear biblical admonition that we need to be aware of? I think, again, to, to piggyback on what Moeller said, we know where the line is, right? Um, it, yeah. it, can you define that line hard and, and describe it for me? No, but it's like the old line that says, I, I, I can tell you what it looks like when I see it, right. but I, I couldn't necessarily give you the specific parameters and defin- define it for you. Yeah, it seems like we can participate in something like this without actually connecting to the pagan roots or even some of the pagan connections that still exist. Right. I dare, I, I throw a rock in any direction, ask a neighbor, Hey, do you understand the pagan roots of this holiday? Or even some of the Christian roots of the holiday too. I mean, there's, right. there's those things as well. I, I doubt anybody except for the educated, someone who studied it would be able to answer that question positively and say, yes, I can tell you exactly how this connects to some of the pagan roots or what have you. So I think because the association is so far removed, we can participate with a clear conscience. None of our neighbors are going to think, oh, these guys worship the devil because they're doing Halloween with us. Right, right, exactly. And if you're still uncomfortable about it, you can celebrate Reformation Day because this is the anniversary of the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg mm-hmm. Castle. Uh, and you can go to Pastor Ra's neighborhood and nail your own 95 Theses <laughs> to his front door. Prefer that you tape it. That'd be okay. <laughs> Maybe you don't nail it. <laughs> I want to keep my door intact. Yeah. So, but it's, it's just, it's interesting With that, that tape. they, uh, they share the, the, uh, the anniversary there and we're 500 plus years now removed from the reformation. That's right. And you yeah. could dress up as Martin Luther if you want. And then you could. no one would know. You could. I was, uh, I did that at one of the, the announcement services. At yes, Bible you did. Church. I recall this. Yep. I'm glad you reminded me. I forgot all about that. Yep. And one of our, so we had gatekeepers there. We've got gatekeepers here, by the way, and maybe you don't know that, but our gatekeepers are low key current or former military or police that uh, are there for your security on Sunday mornings. And they're keeping an eye on things and making sure that you're safe. Well, we had those in our, our last church as well. And I was a new pastor relatively and somehow got roped into dressing up like Martin Luther to go on stage. That's awesome. And uh, one of our guys came in and uh, saw me. Reported you. And he got, he like opened the door and he saw me back in the green room, getting ready to go up on the stage. Nobody else was back there. And he like smiled at me and then, and I had a wig on and a pillow in my, in the thing. And he like stepped back out. It was Jay Rubin and he stepped back out. And then, uh, he like three guys come in like a minute later and they're in there and called reinforcements. Yeah. And it was me and they were like, Oh, pastor PJ, sorry, we didn't recognize you. We thought some lady was back here. Some lady. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, Cause the wig and it was bad. So we won't be doing that, but Oh, okay. But yeah, trick or treat, pass out candy, uh, share the gospel, pass out invitations to our family fest. Yeah. Uh, You can pick up some of those. uh, If you haven't already, you can even swing by the office today. We've got some, I'm sure at the office today, you can swing by, and picks them up to have those for uh or picks them up at the uh, yeah that's true i was thinking today yeah you can pick them up at church yep on <laughs> i guess it's today you're right it right. makes church sense already happen yep. it already happened yep. yep yep i'm with you it's hard to think of the future it isn't it is, it's hard to think that the I future am, is now the future is now yeah and i'm not in the now i'm in the yesterday time yeah well let's talk about uh somebody else who was thinking about the future and that's jeremiah okay jeremiah 29 and 30 Jeremiah 29, we are back in 597 BC. So again, it, it, chronologically, things are, are jumping around uh, qu- quite a bit here. Um, but uh, the, the, the message is still the same. This is a message of warning to uh, the, uh, the people there in Jerusalem. And specifically, again, we've got the problem of, of false prophets. And so the summarization, if I can, of, of this chapter is beware of fake news. Um, Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles and in this letter, he says to them, listen, you've heard it said that this is going to be a, a short amount of time. We talked about that last time that we, uh, we recorded yesterday, uh, with Hananiah, the, the false prophet saying, this is going to be a short amount of time and everybody's going to come back. Jeremiah says, it's not going to be a short amount of time. In fact, settle buy houses, in. settle in, get married, 
um, and work towards the welfare. It's the word in Hebrew, shalom, of the city there. And that word shalom, is, a, is it means more than peace. It's a, it's a full, all-encompassing, uh, fully-orbed concept of peace, safety, security, welfare, prosperity. It, it, all of those concepts are wrapped up in this word shalom. And Jeremiah is saying you need to, to pursue that, the shalom of the environment to which you've been set. And this is similar to something that we've talked about a lot recently from Paul in First Timothy, that, that we're supposed to pray for our leaders so that we will enjoy a peaceful and quiet life. It's right. the same concept there because God wanted his people preserved and protected and be, to be able to stay faithful to him in the midst of their exile. And he knew that the shalom of that area and that that people would would create a good environment for his people to, to to be able to continue to deepen their repentance and their contrition over their sin and their pursuit of him. Right. And this is in part why we're even talking about being salt and light in our neighborhoods on Halloween. Right. This is us trying to apply that same mentality that Jeremiah gives to the exiles to those of us who are aliens and strangers. Yeah. We are in similar situation here. We're in exile. We're awaiting our our whole our home the future home but in, in the meantime our job is to seek for the good i guess good is probably the best word welfare is another one that sounds that has different implications today given that fact that welfare has right a program behind it but today we might use the word good seek the good of the city where i've sent you and our cities salina prosper frisco i mean north texas seek the good of north texas with your life and this is this advice is as evergreen as it was when Jeremiah wrote it in 597. So he's talking to a group of disciples that had just been deported. A yep. large group of people had been taken and they're afraid and they're concerned. And again, to, to what you said yesterday, uh, Pastor PJ, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was not a good guy. Right. He had not done good things with these people. I mean, they were shamed and humiliated. They, they likely marched naked. Now, they were stripped of all of they, who they were. I mean, just think about the kind of disorientation they would suffer. And for Jeremiah to say, hey guys, get ready to stick around, build a house, get married, have kids and seek the good of the city. That would have been shocking. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, if North Korea comes and takes over America and they're like, oh no, this is now North Korea of the United States or whatever. Uh, and then we have someone say, hey, by the way, pray for North Korea, get settle in for the long haul, pray for Kim Jong-un. It would be, it would be shocking, but it that's exactly what Jeremiah says. Yeah. 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 Shocking to say the least. Yeah. Verse 10, though, the Lord says that even in, in, in through this time, there's a, a limit to it. And here's the 70 years concept again. Uh, and after 70 years are completed, he's going to bring them back. Deuteronomy 30, verse 3. So I've talked a lot about Deuteronomy 27 and 28 that lays out the blessings for obedience and the cursings for disobedience. Well, right on the heels of that in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3, the Lord promises that he would bring his people back. And so herein, we see at the end of the 70 years, a partial fulfillment of that. Again, I mentioned Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 27, um, we find the situation where Daniel begins to pray and it's a, a, a corporate prayer of repentance uh, where Daniel prays and confesses the sins of the people Israel and uh, repents corporately on behalf of the nation of Israel and asks God to do what God ultimately does, which is to bring his people back into uh, the, the promised land from exile as he promised here because Daniel was reading this passage or these passages and understood, okay, the 70 years, if as he's doing the math in his head, was coming to a conclusion and he wanted to be ready for the return. Um, so uh, this is one of those situations. Was this fulfilled in the first return or will this be re- fulfilled in a, a future millennial kingdom? 
Yes. <laughs> there it is. I couldn't wait for it. I you felt it. I felt it. You were like, it's coming. Here it, Here comes. it comes. Yeah, yeah, yes. So it's an already not yet fulfillment. So it, it, the the return is already fulfilled in that God did bring them back after exile. Um, it's been already fulfilled again in part in 1948 when the people of Israel re-entered their land and got status as a nation again. Uh, is is this the, the final one before the ultimate one? We don't know. We, we don't know. God does. But we do know that these are not the, the, the ultimate fulfillment of these promises. These ultimate promises will be realized in the millennial kingdom. That's right. And the restoration is promised. We're looking forward to it. And this is, this is honestly, this, these are the promises by which we live. God makes promises to us as, as the church, but he also makes promises to Israel that have not yet been fulfilled. This is why we're dispensationalists. Yep. We, we can't look at passages like this and say, okay, this is just going to be realized in a spiritual way to the church in some way. Uh, it's just, it's hard for us to look at this text and with any degree of integrity say, yes, that, that makes sense for us to, to, to be the fulfillment. No, I, God means this. Yeah. God intends to do this. And this is why we have to do some gymnastics. It seems like with our theology to make sure, okay, where does this fit? Yeah. Millennial kingdom kingdom seems like the best place where something like this would make the most sense where it's fully enjoyed and realized. Yep. Yeah. And it's in the midst of a situation where they still were encountering so much judgment because of the false prophecies and, and their disobedience to God. And that's where he goes in the rest of chapter 29. But chapter 30 picks up on, on this positive note again. And the summarization, uh, some, some summary, some, some make it faster, some, some more efficient. Yep. The summary of chapter 30 for, for you guys is this. There are better days ahead. Um, and that's that's what's coming from Jeremiah. He's saying there are uh, there are days coming when God is going to do some pretty amazing things. Verse 9, they're going to serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them, saving them from far away, bringing them back. I'm not going to make a full end of you, he says there in verse 11. Verse 17, I'm going to restore health to you and your wounds I'm going to heal. And then verse 22, you shall be my people and I will be your God. That's one of those phrases that is repeated many, many, many times in the Bible. You'll come across it throughout your reading. You'll come across these situations where God promises, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. If you go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 is the final time we read that that statement. And that's when this promise, you shall be my people and I will be your God is ultimately and finally realized in revelation 21 depicts the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. And God says that he will dwell with his people. They will be his people and he will be with them as their God. And that's the whole passage. He's going to wipe away every tear and there's no more pain and there's no more sickness. So this is ultimately going to be fulfilled in the, the, not just the millennial kingdom, but the new heavens and new earth is when this fulfillment comes to full reality both for Israel and for us as the church as well. So Jeremiah 30 is a, a positive chapter by and large, anticipating and looking forward to better days ahead. Yeah, God is the prize, man. Yeah. God is the prize. There's lots of cool things about heaven that we look forward to. Uh, the relationships, the the perfection, obviously, no sin. I'm sure we'll invent and eat good food. Flying. Man, God, flying, yeah, teleporting. But God, God is the ultimate prize. And, and that's why it's so important that we cultivate that relationship with him now. If you're not going to, if you don't like God now, you're not going to like him in heaven. Right. You're developing a love for him that will transcend time and space and, and even your life itself. Yeah. And that will carry forth in heaven. Yep. God is the prize. Yep. God is the prize indeed. Hey, Titus chapter one for our New Testament reading. Titus chapter one is similar to what we read in first Timothy chapter three in that it gives more qualifications for an elder, but there's one particular that, that I wanted to, to uh, identify here. Um, 
and you'll notice it's got a, a footnote for it. So if you look at verse six, it says, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers. It says right there. If you look mm-hmm. at verse your footnote in your ESV, or at least I have one, it's got a five on it. It says, or are faithful. Um, I, I think faithful is the better translation here. And let me explain why. I, I don't think it's a qualification or a requirement for an elder to serve in an office that his children would be uh, believers, that his children would be saved. And the reason I say that is none of us are capable of ensuring that that would be the case. Now, if you have a man who wants to be a pastor and his children are uh, not saved and still living at home and, you know, they are, you know, drinking underage and doing drugs and they've, they've got all kinds of problems. Well, then he's not managing his own household well. Right. And so that that's the issue there. Right. But take Pastor Rod and I, for example, he and I would fall short of this qualification right now because we have kids in our home that are not yet believers. And some of that is, is due to age and others is, is just due to, to decision making process at this point in their lives. But, but it, this is, is not putting the, the burden on the pastor to say, hey, make sure you save all your kids and then you're qualified to be a pastor. Right. Uh, this rather is make sure they're faithful. What does that mean? Well, that builds on that concept of managing your household well. Your kids need to be there and present in the church. They need to be overall uh, adhering to morality as far as it would be defined biblically. They need to be submissive to their parents. They need to be keeping in, in check in those areas. They, they need to be faithful in that context, faithful uh, to those things, not faithful as a Christian, though that is our prayer for all of our kids, obviously, just as it is for yours. But I don't think this is putting a qualification on a pastor to say your kids have to be Christians. Well, and all we have to do too, not even knowing necessarily the, the, the underlying Greek word, you could just read the verse. Uh, you could read the verse that his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Now, granted, right. the ESV translates it believers, so I'm with you. I think it's faithful as a better word because it gives a better sense of what, what he's looking for. Right. It's leading your household well. They shouldn't be the kind of wild children that are, are always the, the cause of of issues. They're, they're debauched. They're living lives that are dramatically opposed to Christ and the father's not doing what he should do. Insubordinate. They're not submitting to the leadership of their father. If, if, a, if a man can't do this in his home, he probably won't be able to do it in the church is yeah. the point. Yeah. And, and the reason why there's a, a question there. So the, the word in Greek is, is pistis where we get the, the concept of faith and belief. And, uh, and that's why there's the ESV translators, the editors decided we're going to translate this as believers and uh, other translations will use faithful in that. So it's a, a word in the Greek that can mean either, or this is not a situation where someone is twisting or perverting the text to try to make it mean something that it didn't. Right. And that goes back to our conversation about dynamic translations versus, uh, formal translations, word for word versus thought for thought. It's trying to get to the sense of what right. the Bible's teaching. And the word can legitimately be applied both to faithful or believing. Right, right. And the rest of the, the section here, one of the, the point of emphases for uh, Paul to Titus is that the elders and the, the pastors need to be uh, able to defend sound doctrine and protect the church because of those that would want to undermine it and, uh, and get in and, and through insubordination, deceive and, um, and, and disrupt families it says there that they're, they're they're creating a situation wherein people are beginning to doubt and it's causing divisiveness in the church and part of our role as pastors is, is to guard against that and so to do that we have to know thoroughly sound doctrine and that's one reason honestly that that for me that I, i'm 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 convinced that a, a pastor needs to be seminary trained um i i think that that is a a a a good starting place for anyone whose authority you're going to set yourself under because 
what's at stake here, right? Yeah. We need to know the scriptures thoroughly. And so there are people that come up through, you know, training programs in the church and everything. And that, that's, that's well and good. And, and, and that can have its place. But, but for me, I'm, I'm looking for a place that this guy's got a, a, a seminary background and he's been trained in how to handle the word and in the, the tenets of doctrine and theology. Amen to that. And that's one of the reasons why our church in particular loves to say, okay, our elders are our pastors. Yep. Um, we, we typically don't go for lay people. And if we do, we're going to say, hey, we're going to put you through seminary because we think it's valuable yeah. to learn from people that know how to handle their Bible well. Um, they're the ones who, according to what Paul says to Timothy, they do their best to present themselves to God as one approved. Yep. Worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We want people that are trained that know how to do that. And the reason is important, as Pastor P. already uh, mentioned, but I mean, just think about the kind of role that God has for those people. He, he's told, Titus is told, look, these people that are empty talkers and deceivers, they must be silenced. Yeah. That's strong. Yeah. You don't see that today. You don't see that exercise in church very often. If you, if you do, maybe it's behind the closed doors, which is probably appropriate, but they need to be silenced. They can't be allowed to have a platform. They must be stopped. And then he says, you know, just a, a few a few lines down, that rebuke them sharply. Mm. Not gently, rebuke them sharply. You get the sense of strong, uh, godly manhood. And that's yeah. the kind of person that should be the pastor. Yep. He's the kind of guy that should be leading the charge of the church yeah. because it's so necessary for that. Yeah. Amen to that. So that's what we're going to be after as we are uh, continuing to grow and God continues to provide leaders for us in the church. We want men that are equipped and able to do this and, and not afraid of doing it. So Pray for that, please. Yeah, please do that. Hey, we thank you for joining in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Have fun going out trick-or-treating, passing out candy tonight and invite some people to our fall fest on uh, our family fest on November. November, November nope. Yep. It's going to happen. When is In it? November. Thank you. That's the word. November 12th. Yep. Hey, invite people to join us there and uh, we'll catch you guys again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.